0: Hello everybody, welcome to Secure Talk, brought to you by AtiQuest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I and Hira Machado, the CEO of Attiquest, are your host for today's episode of Secure Talk. Today we're going to be talking about GDPR, that is the general data and protection regulations that have come out of the EU. These are very, very important, primarily because if you're caught out of compliance, you can be fined up to 4% of your global revenues or 20 million euros whichever is greater but today we're going to take some time and we're going to talk about what is gdpr um what what some of the things some key definitions that you should be aware of and then we're going to talk about some ideas or suggestions in terms of helping you prepare for gdpr hiram how are you today
1: hello mark i'm doing very well what about you
0: very good i'm in boston today we survived the snowstorm and uh having a lot of fun out here
1: Um, Sounds good.
0: Yeah, if if you don't mind, maybe you can start off and can you give us a little bit of background about you know what is GDPR, where did it come from, and where is it at? When does it become uh, enforceable?
1: Absolutely. Um, Well, GDPR is uh, an European regulation. It was uh, uh, officialized uh, about two years ago in 2016. And it uh, and was given to every organization a two-year period to adjust their processes and procedures and technology to compliance with GDPR. And GDPR will take effect as a law, as a regulation, starting uh, uh, May 25, 2018. So we are just a couple of months away from uh, that becoming a law and enforceable by the European authorities. Uh, It's important to notice, though, that uh, even though it's an European regulation, it has a global reach. It's all about data privacy and data protection for European citizens. Uh, So any organization around the globe handling European citizens' private data uh, are uh, bound to comply with uh, GDPR regulation. And uh, as you said, the fines can be rather large. So many, many organizations around the globe are, are watching very closely and, uh, and working on or at least starting to work on um, uh, updating their processes, procedures and technology to comply with GDPR.
0: Now, these regulations, did they just appear out of the blue or are these regulations a derivative of past requirements and legislation?
1: Well, European Union have or the European, uh, Europeans have had a, a, a since 1995. They have had this uh, kind of uh, directive, which is more like a guideline you know, for the different European states to go ahead and, and put their own laws in place. So, as a directive, that's not uh, enforceable uh, by law. So uh, with the advancement, and that's a 1995 directive, so as you might imagine, uh, technology wasn't as, as advanced, much less uh, uh, cloud computing wasn't uh, as, as popular, or even the internet at that time. So uh, with the advancement of technology, uh, uh, it was found that that directive needed to be updated, and moreover, not only be updated, uh really made into a more global law or as a regulation it applies to every european uh, country uh, and it applies to every organization handling um, european uh, citizens uh, or residents rather uh, uh, data so what are
0: some of the key regulations that we should be aware of Um, we'll, we'll dive into what type of data is affected next but right now, what are some of the key things that companies should be aware of in terms of their responsibilities, in terms of how they manage data that relates to EU residents?
1: Absolutely. There are many nuances of the GDPR that most organizations will have to uh, pay attention to and, and potentially revisit their processes, procedures, and technologies. Um, so number one is is the right to be forgotten, right? So as a um, European resident, uh, they are now giving the right to be forgotten to any organization. So if you are interacting with them and you have private data, and you host private data from them and you receive a call from them saying, I want you to erase all of my data, you have to have the mechanism in place, uh, uh, procedure and technology in place to delete all of the data as per request. So that's an obligation of the organization hosting the data.
0: So, for example, if I buy something from uh, an a online retailer and I'm a European resident, if I'm a European resident and I buy something from a, a European, or, or excuse me, any retailer online, they collect my data, and then one day I call them or send them an email and say, you know what, I want you to delete my information from your system, they have to do that, Right.
1: Absolutely, the, the, every organization will be uh, obligated to do it. There are rare exceptions. There are rare exceptions in which that can be, and that's when, uh, for example, maybe a, a malicious uh, a person who has made done something wrong and says, "You know, I want you to delete all of my data." Uh, legally, you might be bound to, you know, to hold hold on to that data uh, if there is a, a greater legal argument, but uh, you have to prove that greater legal argument later on if needed. But there are some, some nuances of exceptions, if you will. Okay.
0: So the right to be forgotten, I think there's also the right of rectification. So sometimes, you know, organizations have your information, have your data, but they might not have correct versions of it. And you can also request that they update and they have to comply with that, correct?
1: Not only that, they have to comply with that, as well as you have to have the ability to report on the data. So they, they, they have the right to know what data you have and for what purpose you host that data. So that you need to be very um, sensitive to that and uh, and again, have the technology in place that we allow you to properly report on all of As you know, Mark, many organizations, and that's not, we've talked to so many of them, and you know, it's not uncommon. When you ask the question, where is the data throughout the organization? Between all of the database, different databases, different applications, uh, uh, structured and unstructured data, when you look throughout, it's not uncommon that organizations lose the perspective of where the data might actually reside, right? So moving forward, we cannot lose that perspective anymore, right? We have to have our ducks in a row. We need to know where the data is so we can both, one, report to them. <laughs> Uh, uh, when needed and when requested, as well as make sure that we properly address any request such as the right to be forgotten.
0: Excellent. And a lot of people might be asking, well, what types of data would fall under GDPR? And, you know, obviously anything that's any kind of, you know, your databases, uh, any kind of Excel documents, um, any kind of your, your your client databases. But it also can be things like, you know, customer feedback forms, that could be emails. It can even be images or CCTV scans. If that scan or that video um, or that image or that email contains data or relates to an EU resident, that relates to an EU resident, I should say, then it would fall under GDPR. Is that correct?
1: Oh, that's absolutely right. And uh, and uh, and most organizations are not uh, entirely set up for handling uh, uh, the, the classification and understanding of all of that data and where it is. And so there is definitely work to be done for most organizations. And by the way, that that is true from very small business, all the, way, all the way from
0: what we have seen. Well, we're gonna talk about some, maybe some ideas in terms of how to prepare for GDPR in a second. But before that, maybe we can talk about some definitions because people say, well, we have data, but we're just handling that on behalf of our client, or maybe I have data, but I'm outsourcing some of that, some of the, the manipulation or processing of that data. So a couple of the key, key definitions under GDPR relate to the, uh, the idea of a controller and a processor. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, you're right. And uh, that's a very important uh, definition for, for every organization to understand. In fact, many of our clients uh, claim not to have any themselves clients in Europe, uh, but sometimes they are handling, on behalf of their own customers, uh, uh, sensitive data about um, European residents, and they are asked for their clients uh, whether they are compliant or not with GDPR. In fact, another point is it's important for every organization there are also requests uh, to check with their suppliers, whether the suppliers that are handling sensitive data for, on their behalf, whether they are compliant with GDPR. So talking about it, as you mentioned, is the controller and the processor. Uh, the controller is the organization that is responsible for collecting the data right so in a typical organization as an example uh, an organization will collect data about employees right and they have if they have employees that are european uh, residents um, eu residents they will collect data about that employees those employees and in doing so they are the controller right they have their perhaps bank account Information They have their social security number or the equivalent in each one of the European countries and um, their addresses and so on. Now, most organizations will pass on some of those sensitive informations to perhaps a payroll company, a company that will handle all of the payroll for that organization. That payroll company is the processor of the data, and both are equally liable to compliance with GDPR.
0: Wow. So, um, you know, like I said, if 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 a if a company says, "Well, hey, we don't we don't have a business in Europe," um, but if you have data that's you know for customers in Europe, you still fall under GDPR. And maybe you don't have either. Maybe you don't have any offices in Europe. Maybe you don't have any customers in Europe. Maybe you don't have any employees in Europe. But if you are processing data. On behalf of an organization, and that data relates to EU residents, you would fall under GDPR as a
1: processor. Is that right? Yes, that's absolutely that's absolutely right. And and we also have these questions that many organizations are asking. Well, I don't have any any um, entity or presence in Europe. How will the European Union find me? Right. Well, there are many ways and any. There are there are recourse that they can use. Uh, they can uh, invoke international laws and and and, and that way uh, come after uh, applying their laws against you. Generally speaking, uh, if we are talking about the United States, uh, we really don't know what's going to be like. Nobody can answer that question for sure because it hasn't. There has never been a case yet since it's not a law. But expectations, however when we talk to experts, is is that there is uh, very much uh, strong interest between Europe and the United States in terms of commerce and trade and and relationship, that it's likely that uh, a law in the United States will, uh, a court in the United States, will look for uh, uh, some level of collaboration with them because that is what they expect in return when they want to apply their own uh, uh, laws and uh, overseas, right? Particularly in Europe. So, no, number one, there is that expectation. Second, they can ban your organization from being able to do in business in Europe. Uh, that would be the probably the least uh, invasive uh, way of of uh, of uh, uh, applying the, the regulation on you. But that, there are also ways for them to do it.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of companies in the U.S. Um, or in other places, are working towards compliance for GDPR, not just because of GDPR, but because they realize that this is a global trend towards data protection and and privacy and, and individual rights in terms of protecting their data. And so they realized, well, it's GDPR today. There's going to be something in, in America tomorrow. There's going to be something in their country later. In fact, China just came out with their own version of GDPR, which apparently is supposed to be even stricter than GDPR. So working towards compliance toward GDPR probably will help you with you know, some, some protection um, uh, in terms of pr- falling out of compliance. Um, but will also help you in some of the other areas that you may be doing business. Uh, speaking of which, if, if we talk about preparation for GDPR, um, you know, do you have any thoughts in terms of how an organization, you know, where do they start? Because it's a, a lot of companies out there, are like they're like, oh my god, it's May twenty fifth. What do we do? How how do we get started?
1: Yeah, there is this whole thing about you know what's going to happen on May fifth, right? And the expectation right now is. You know, uh, they cannot look into every single organization around the globe on May 25th. So the expectation is that's when uh, uh, the regulation goes into, into uh, uh, being uh, enforceable. And, you know, the, the regulators will start looking for, uh, uh, you know, for companies that are out of compliance. And that will happen gradually as they, they work the, through their, their, their jobs and, and they, they find irre- uh, irregularities around the globe, that's number one. So they, they really uh, what we tell all, all of our clients today is, just get with that, right? If you are ever uh, um, encounter a uh, 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 regulation coming after you, the worst thing that is, I had an incident, I had a data bridge, and I was doing nothing about GDPR. That's the worst thing that can happen. Uh, as long as you have started on something, and you you know where you are in the process. That's already one step ahead, and uh, and that's where most organizations are today. Anyway, uh, there are very few companies that I would say that I would call 100% compliant with GDPR, or they're even I would expect to be 100% compliant with GDPR by May 25th. But uh, hey, you have you have to get you have to start somewhere, and it's time to start.
0: Well, in fact, you bring up a good point because a lot of experts in the field have said that, you know, it's really tough to be 100 percent compliant. In fact, we don't even really know what that is. The important thing is is you're working towards compliance and they expect that the regulators will have a friendlier posture towards you. They expect. And again, we're not predicting this. We don't give legal advice. But the consensus that we've kind of been hearing is that if you're working on a plan towards compliance and you can document that and demonstrate that, that the regulators would take a more friendly posture towards you in the case of any type of breaches or complaints. Now, um, Hiram, if you don't mind, maybe I can suggest a couple ideas in terms of how companies could move towards compliance. So, yeah,
1: yeah, that's, I think it's important to tell them what, yeah.
0: what what steps might be. Sure. So one one thing that I think every organization should think of is just is take a picture or a snapshot, get an idea of where you're currently at in terms of your people, processes and technology in the context of GDPR compliance. And one of the easiest ways to do that, is to take a type of assessment. Now, we, we AdaQuest, provides something that, uh, an assessment that was developed by Microsoft. By, by the way, Microsoft is 100% committed towards GDPR compliance by May 25th of this year. So, I mean, you know, they are all in on this. They developed a 160 question assessment that looks at all your people, processes, and technologies in the context of GDPR compliance. If you go through that assessment, and it's a bit of work, but it should be, um, if you go through that assessment, you will have a very clear picture of where you're at right now in terms of compliance with GDPR. In fact, the, the assessment will uh, deliver Re- recommendations and identify any gaps, and all recommendations are mapped to specific GDPR uh, regulations. So the assessment, it will give you an uh, uh, instantly a snapshot and identify any major gaps. Just doing the assessment helps you because it shows that, hey, you know what, you have you've you recognize that GDPR is important, and you're trying to figure out where you're at. Once you've done the assessment, you can put together a plan that will bridge any of those gaps. Another thing you can do is identify what data is it, that you have and, and, you know, where is it at and is it does it fall under GDPR? So there, we have a, a program called the Data Discovery Toolkit or Data Discovery Program, and we work with, uh, with organizations. We help them map out the data uh, that they think they have. And then we run a scan of their, their IT infrastructure, whether that's on-prem, in the cloud, or a hybrid environment. Uh, we have a variety of tools that we can use to scan the system and then identify the data. But we can actually even at the same time go beyond that and we can label that data and then attach policies to those labels so that, for example, if there's PII that's identified, um, that a certain policy is enforced. And maybe here, to, can you give an example of how how this would work? For example, with uh, maybe with uh, a credit card information or something like that. How, how would that work after after the data has been identified and labeled? How do the policies actually affect the real world handling of that data?
1: Yeah, absolutely. With the right systems in place, right, that, uh, we can use something called a DLP, data loss prevention, right. And with DLP, you can, for example, uh, automate the process of identifying uh, keywords in, uh, or key elements in any document um, uh, that's being created within your organization, such as credit card number. Right. So we know the pattern of credit card number. We can uh, once the system um, uh, identify, uh, even if you are open up Word and you type in a credit card number system can, if you choose to do so, automatically classify that word document as as uh, com- as uh, uh, confidential, for example, right? And if so, once you once you apply the uh, the classification to the document, now it's up to that organization to set up the processes and rules that will govern that uh, classification. So what it mean to any organization? In this example, it could mean that that document cannot be shared outside of the organization, for example, right? And uh, you, you, and now you, you have your systems working for you to make sure that you're only doing uh, uh, the right things with the data uh, that you're handling.
0: Excellent. So again, just to recap, uh, one thing you can do is you can do a, um, a detailed assessment to give you a snapshot of where your organization's at in terms of people, process, and technology you can do a data discovery uh, process or scan. And then at the same time that you're doing that, you can even actually label that data and then enforce policies. Um, So instantly that helps you protect that data. It also will help you with reporting because if there's a breach, you would know who you would have to notify because in the case, uh, uh, I should back up, under GDPR, if there's a breach, one, you'll have to notify the regulators, but two, you may have to notify every individual's whose data may have been, every individual who's an EU resident, whose data may have been compromised. So, you know, that's something that if you don't have labels on that data, if you don't have a process for doing that, good luck. <laughs> it's going to be tough. <laughs> um, the, the last thing that I want to talk about, and then we can just kind of, you know, kick this back and forth, open conversation, is that um, another thing that uh, uh, most enterprises that we are, 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 that we work with are dealing or, you know, use Microsoft, um, you know, know, Office 365 or Exchange, and or Exchange. Um, And if you think about GDPR, a lot of it's about data protection and it's also about IT security. The amazing thing is, is there's there's a huge amount of IT security, a large number of features That are already baked in or built into, for example, Office three hundred and sixty five, and it may be built into whatever um, platform you're using. Unfortunately, when I'm just going to use Office three hundred and sixty five as an example here, most organizations aren't aware of all the tools that they're already built into Office three hundred and sixty five. And that they're paying for. And it's it's kind of crazy because, I, I mean, we hear something like, um, you know, only 15 to 20% of the organizations that have purchased Office 365 are using the security features that are built in there. Not because they don't want to use them. It's just they're not aware of them. Okay. So w- there there's a couple different tools and programs that you can use that will instantly let you know um, what's your IT security uh, Posture currently, or where you you know how your your settings are set, and map out any gaps and make recommendations. Hiram, can you talk a little bit about the secure score?
1: Yes, there's a couple of things that we can talk about in the, you know, in this regard. One is the secure score. So, so every one thing that our everybody should understand is there. There is some some misunderstanding, perhaps, right that. Some people may believe that, oh, I'm going to go to the cloud, I'm going to put my data on the cloud, and I'm automatically protected, and I expect my cloud provider to be GDPR compliant, therefore I'm compliant. That's not the case, right? And while it is true, though, that there is a layer of compliance that once you go to the cloud that you transfer the responsibility to your cloud provider, right, there is another layer of security controls that it's your responsibility as the controller of the data and the owner of the data to set up and put in place, even if you are on the cloud. So for that reason, right, if you're using Microsoft 365, there is something called uh, Secure Score, um, that if you log in as an administrator or to securescore.com, uh, uh, secure office, securescore.office.com, securescore.office.com, uh, you can see your, where you stand and basically to tell you that you may be you know you may have 30 points out of 400 points or so right which is by the way the reality of most uh, organizations that have their office 365 instance set up and that is because they haven't put the time and effort to understand all of the security controls already available for them that they can enable such as dlp multi factor authentications um, and, and many other different, uh, things that we can do to protect your systems, and therefore be more even closer to compliance with GDPR or any other regulation that you may have to be compliant with. So that's number one thing. Uh, the security score, uh, you, know, you need to look at it, you need to know where you are, and understand what needs to be done. You know, a lot of the customers that we are helping today, uh, th- that's one big thing that we are doing for them, is to understand, their requirements and bring that score to a higher level closer to uh, you know uh, that match their requirement not everybody needs to be 400 out of 400 uh, but you need to understand what kind of data you're dealing with and what's your your security requirements so you can bring it to the right level the other one that i think uh, uh, it's, it's becoming a little bit popular and we have been using ever since you know, private preview and now it's public preview, it's Compliance Manager. So basically Microsoft released along with Office 365, the Compliance Manager, it's a list of all of the security controls that are already uh, uh, enabled on the cloud. And it shows compliance with not only GDPR, but GDPR ISO 27001, uh, HIPAA. And, uh, but also it shows all of the controls Uh, that GDPR requires, that is your responsibility, right? And now we can work through those requirements and make sure that you are uh, up to date. The compliance manager is great because, number one, you don't have to pay for it. Number two, uh, it helps you organize yourselves and understand what you need to be compliant with. And it helps you to report to the authorities when needed uh, that you are compliant and, and show how so. Uh, so I encourage everybody to think about those two things if compliance in general uh, is something that is important for you and your organization.
0: Thank you. That's, that, I think that's an excellent um, suggestion um, and overview of, uh, of Secure Score and Compliance Manager. Uh, I, we're, we're getting towards the end of this program here. I would like to also encourage anybody who's listening and concerned about GDPR to consult with a privacy or any attorney, a privacy attorney or any other attorney that specializes in GDPR or data protection uh, and, uh, issues. Uh, you may also want to talk to your business insurance provider because it, oftentimes you'll have insurance that will be re, uh, be there in place in case there's uh, you have a, some type of data uh, breach. Um, and you may find that your policy... Protects you with GDPR or for GDPR, and you may find that it doesn't. So you should be aware of that. Um, But you should also get their their different perspectives and opinions in terms of how you could prepare for GDPR. Uh, If you go ahead. And by the way, Mark, I want
1: to tell everybody we are well connected in the industry. Anybody listening to this podcast, if you need, uh, uh, if you'd like a reference to a, a a private lawyer or insurance company. Let us know. Just reach out.
0: Absolutely. And if you'd like more information about GDPR in terms of IT security, data protection, or anything, why don't you just uh, come to our website, contact us, and uh, we'd be very, very happy to to speak with you. Um, I think that's about it for today. I mean, we could spend hours and hours on this subject, but uh, <laughs> we I,
1: I could go on forever. Yeah,
0: exactly. But we don't. You know, we, we try to limit this to about thirty minutes or so. I think we've done that. Hiram, thank you so much for for your time and information.
1: Thank you, Mark. Great exchange.
0: That. And thank you everybody for listening to Secure Talk. Remember Secure Talk is brought to you by Adaquest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. Take care everybody and stay safe.